Welcome to the Odyssey Podcasts. This is Jean Cavellos, Director of Odyssey. Odyssey is an intensive six-week workshop for writers of fantasy, science fiction, and horror whose work is approaching publication quality and for published writers who want to improve their work. Odyssey is held each summer on the campus of St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire. Adult writers from all over the world apply. Only 16 are admitted. Top authors, editors, and agents serve as guest lecturers. For more information, visit www.odysseyworkshop.org. Podcast 34 is an excerpt from Jack Ketchum's lecture at Odyssey 2009 on Crafting Strong Openings. The text of this recording is copyright 2009 by Dallas Mayer. The sound recording is copyright 2009 by Odyssey Writing Workshops. Everybody who's on these sides, just stand up and come towards us, okay? Just end the aisles. Okay. You too. Come on. Okay. <laughs> Catch. <laughs> Catch. <laughs> Catch! Okay, have I got your attention? Okay, you can sit down now. That's the point of an opening, is to get your bloody attention. All right? What it wants to do is to get your attention and, and, and to draw you in, pull you into whatever the project is. Uh, so basically that's what we're after, and, and there's basically three elements to a strong opening. Um, you get the first sentence, you got the first paragraph, you got the first page. If you're talking long fiction, you've also got the first chapter. That's a fourth element. But uh, let's, f just for, for starters, let's start with the first sentence. The handout that I gave you, the first one is Call Me Ishmael. Who doesn't know what that's from? It's probably the most famous opening line in history. And there's a reason for that, I think. And I think the reason is because it's, a, uh, it's an imperative sentence. It's a very rare thing to see an imperative. What's implied by call me Ishmael is you should or you must call me Ishmael. Uh, it directly involves you as the reader. You're now complicit in this guy's voice. You're supposed to be doing something here. So uh, declarative is a hard one to do. I've done it in, and imperative is hard. Uh, I've done it in an occasion on short stories. It's eluded me for novels. Then the second one. Patty's asleep when it begins, waiting for him in the dark. What's in there that's interesting, or is, do you find it interesting? Who finds it interesting? About half and half, maybe a little more than half, okay. I think the reason it's interesting is because it's, by the way, it's from um, uh, Stuart Onan's The Good Wife, is because of the, the words, it begins. Mm -hmm. Something's going to go on, and it's going to be something ongoing, because it's a process. So that draws you in. The next one is, the angel was cleaning out his closet when the call came. That's from Christopher Moore's Lamb. What that does for you right away is it's funny. The angel is cleaning out his closet. What the hell is he talking about? So that grabs your attention. The next one, you think you know about pain. I wrote that one. It's from The Girl Next Door. I think the reason that that one works just for me is that because he's implying that he knows more about pain than you do, and now he's going to tell you why. <coughs> Okay, the next one's a famous one, too. It was a dark and stormy night, and rain fell in torrents, except at occasional intervals 
when it was checked by a violent gust of wind which swept the streets. What a boring sentence. <laughs> you know, I mean, th there's now, and the second ad I gave you was from the uh, Bulwer-Lytton Awards that come out every year of really stupid openings. And one of the reasons it's stupid is because it's packed with information, which is good, usually, but it's boring information. There's nothing in here to hook you or to make you care. Contrast that with the one that comes next, which is mine. <laughs> <laughs> the night was moonless and quiet, save for the cracking of the fire and the liquid tilt back of the tangle-leg whiskey which they passed between them, and Farrow Bill Brody drawing hard on his bull durham and the moans and heavy breathing of Junk Herbert and the snort and paw of horses and the voices of the men. There's a lot in there, too. But what, what's important, I think, about getting a... You can do an opening sentence with very little detail, as the second one, Patty's asleep when it begins. Or you can do a lot. But if you're going to do a lot of detail, it's got to be important detail. It's got to move you somewhere, into the story somehow. Hopefully this does that because of what I've observed and put in there. You know what? What do you know from this sentence about this situation? Anybody? That they're drinking and smoking. That they're drinking, they're smoking. Sitting around a campfire. Seems cowboy. Probably the Old West, yeah. There's something wrong with Chuck. There's something wrong with Chuck, exactly, a chunk. And they're in the dark. The next one is from Jim Harrison's The English Major. It used to be Cliff and Vivian, and now it isn't. I find that incurably sad. It just immediately makes me sad. And one of the things you might want to try to do is get your reader emotional immediately. And this certainly does that. It puts him in a place where he can be, anyway, if, if the paragraph pays off, which it in this case does, because it's Harrison. Harrison's a good writer. Nick Naylor had been called many things since becoming chief spokesman for the Academy of Tobacco Studies, but until now, no one had actually compared him to Satan. That's from Christopher Buckley's Thank You for Smoking. Again, I think that's, there's a lot of information in there. What's the information you've got in there? It's funny, first of all, but what, what's the informational content? He's used to being uh, vilified. Yep. Somebody has actually called him Satan now. Uh-huh. He's you know, in charge of tobacco studies. Mm -hmm. Spokesperson. Mm -hmm. Which is you know a lot about your main character right there, right then and there. On August 23rd, the day before the hurricane struck, Max and Bonnie Lamb awoke early, made love, and rode the shuttle bus to Disney World. What do you know in there? Okay. The hurricane is coming, too. That's from uh, Carl Hyacinth's Stormy Weather. This sentence also interestingly plays off the title. The hurricane, you know immediately that these people are going to be involved in some deep shit because the hurricane's coming. Many years later, as he faced the firing squad, Colonel Aureliano Buendia was to remember the distant afternoon when his father took him to discover ice. That's from Gabriel Garcia Marquez, 100 Years of Solitude. What's interesting about that, guys? How do you begin? First sentence. Or at least what you think. He implies the ending, yeah. 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 He doesn't know what ice is. He hasn't discovered it. He, well, he didn't then. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, he's in a world where ice doesn't exist. Good. <coughs> really good. Yes. Yes. It's hot there. It tells you what kind of novel it's supposed to be. It sort of does, doesn't it? Yeah, because he remembers that he's going to when he makes this discover the ice. It's like something very evocative. Like yeah. You know it's going to be that kind of and for me, at least, I already have a sense that there might be magic realism involved here, you know, to some degree. I poisoned your drink. This is from uh, Dwayne Swiss. I can't pronounce his name. Swissowski. He's a mystery writer. But I think it's a wonderful first line. I want to know 
if it's the truth. I want to know what's going to happen next immediately. Also, this is an example of starting with a really neat piece of dialogue. One of the pieces I gave you of mine, I think, does that too, doesn't it? Yeah, returns. Yeah, similar, I'm here. A simple, simple thing, but I followed it with your what. Those two things catch your eye. Another thing about openings and paragraphs in general, and openings in particular, is reading is not just a mental experience. It's a visual experience. You're experiencing the look of the page as well, and the structure of the, of the page. I remember the first time I wrote a book on a computer, I was flummoxed by the fact that the page didn't look right, because the computer screen was only three quarters of the page that I was used to. And it took me literally half a book to get used to the fact that my eye wasn't registering the way it, it used to. So, poison your drink, I like that one. Uh, never tell me, Maddie Monkey, they warned me. It's death if you tell any of them. But now after so many years, I'm going to tell for who's to stop me. That's from uh, Joyce Carol Oates' Foxfire. What do you think of it? Well, I'm intrigued to find out what the secret was that was under such... Uh... Anathema, it's because it's death if you tell. Yeah. Yeah. And it implies that whoever would cause her death is gone. Something has happened to remove <coughs> that, that fear. So who better to tell you this than me? <laughs> That's me again. Anybody could be better to tell you whatever this is than you. Than you. But I've actually seen openings like that. They think just because it's personal, you're going to be intrigued by the person who's written it. It's not necessarily true. It was a Saturday afternoon on LaSalle Street, years and years ago when I was a little kid. And around three o'clock, Mrs. Shannon, a heavy Irish woman in her perpetually soup-stained dress, opened her back window and shouted out into the courtyard, Hey, Caesar, are you who? I think you're on television. I swear it's you. That's from uh, Oscar Higuelos, Mambo King's play Songs of Love. What do you think of that? I'm not crazy about it. You're not crazy about it. <clears throat> what does it do that might be good? The setting. There's a lot of information in here. You can assume that it's a city because it's LaSalle Street and because an Irish woman is right next door. And you know it's a mixed neighborhood because this guy's name is Caesar. And he's on television? Why? Or maybe she's mistaken, but in fact, of course, she isn't. But there's a lot of information in there, and, and I think it's a good hook. All right, so sentences. First sentences. We'll get to paragraphs in a minute. You've got basically basic setups. First line will set up maybe the place, the voice, point of view, character. The voice was it a male or female? Some sentences you can't figure that out at first, but uh, it should be at least in the first paragraph probably. Is it first, second, third person? If it's third person, is it individual voices? I have God. You know what is it? Sets up that. The first line does all that. And some of the, those telling details of place, um, telling details of character, action. What's the action? What's the person doing? Is he standing? Is he sitting? You know, I think in all of these, there's some sort of action going on. Oh, I have a note to myself. General, should be engrossing, vivid, free of cliché. We didn't get to that one. And clear, stay away from obscure references in your first line. Uh, big mistake, you know, to put in something you know about carpentry that nobody else knows, you know. Any other questions? Yeah. Can you 
Can you accomplish the same thing by having a, a real good hook in the first paragraph? Sure. In fact, that's the second thing you need to do. A good first line has to be followed by a good first paragraph. I do personally, when I go to a bookstore and recommended a certain book, I'll go to the store, read the first paragraph. If I like the first paragraph, I'll read the first page. If I like the first page, I might buy the book. If I don't like any of those three things, the book, I don't care who recommends it, I don't read it. I want something that I instantly can be drawn into. Now, it doesn't have to be a harsh hook. It, it just has to in somehow intrigue me. It doesn't have to bat me over the head. But it's got to be clear and engrossing and interesting. And it makes me know that I'm in the hands of a good writer, right off the bat. And if it's not a good first page, I'm not in the hands of a good writer. Not a good enough one, anyway, to waste my time on. I think most people just buy brand names or they buy by covers and, you know, this looks like a good book or it's got somebody's blurb on it. That's not a good way to read. Um, and you as writers can't afford to read that way. First of all, books are expensive and time is expensive. You want to waste time, watch television. Don't read a book. You know, read, a, read a good book. Uh, and, and those three things tip you off right away, I think. I've never read a, a good book that didn't get me somehow on the first page. Okay, so paragraphs then. I got an idea. You all brought books with you? Okay. What did you bring? Okay, a few books. Jeff Strand, he's good. Yep. What else? Lay of Heaven, okay. Very good. Carry Okay, here's what I want you to do. Read the first paragraph. Okay. This is uh, Grave Robbers Wanted, No Experience Necessary. I'm not going to tell you kids again to knock it off. If I have to turn this car around and cancel my stakeout, there'll be no TV for the rest of the month. Would you buy it? Would you pick up the book? Would you read further? Yeah. Nope, nope, nope. Let's go on. Go ahead. Current born, wave flung, tugged hugely by the whole might of ocean, the jellyfish drifts in the tidal abyss. The light shines through it and the dark enters it. Born, flung, tugged from anywhere to anywhere, for in the deep sea there is no compass but nearer and farther, higher and lower. The jellyfish hangs and sways. I'm reading on. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like, I wouldn't read on, but I think... Because that's like, not to your taste. Exactly, it tells me exactly... It tells you exactly what kind of book you're reading. Yep, right. yep, that's another thing. Mm. The first paragraph, first page, they're tip-offs as to exactly what kind of book you're... If you don't like comedy, you're probably going to not want to read Lamb, you know? I think that opening shows that it's not always what you say, it's... How you say it, how you, how you say, say it, it sure. Who you say Definitely. It. Who else has got one? There is always flesh. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Read on, Macduff. <laughs> she stepped back across the cool concrete floor, trying to see herself head to thigh in the small bathroom mirror. She was standing in the middle of the bedroom before she could. Beside her on the bed, her clothes were neatly stacked, the better items already in the closet. By contrast, the other girl's pack looked like an open wound. Its gaudy contents spilling out over the bed sheet and pillow of her bed and trailing to the floor. Who is that? Uh, an obscure writer, uh, Jack, Jack uh, Ketchum. Did I write that? <laughs> I honestly don't remember writing that. <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> she wakes? She wakes. Yeah, okay. Hey. <laughs> This podcast marks the end of our third year of free excerpts from Odyssey Lectures. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, I hope you'll consider visiting our website,
at www.odysseyworkshop.org and making a donation. Thank you. The text of this recording is copyright 2009 by Dallas Mayer. The sound recording is copyright 2009 by Odyssey Writing Workshops.